Hey, is there? Um, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Eric and Anna. Eric Williams and Anna. Probably. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, hey, let's, uh, um, uh, is Jeff Patterson on the line with us yet? Perhaps not. Hey, we're, 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 real, real quick thought, uh, for everybody here is something I'm following up with Jeff later today. It'd be nice if he's on the call now, but he may not, may not make it, but, um, he's got a, um, 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 a nuisance lawsuit. Um, um, somebody, uh, um, basically, it's a real simple, somebody signed a 12-month contract, got injured, they put it on hold, the billing company is ASF. Um, then um, um, uh, she was due to come back in. I mean, it was just, you know, 12 payments of $144 a month, for God's sake. Um, and then she was scheduled to come back in and then she said, no, I can't come back in. I'm moving to New Zealand. And they said, okay, that's fine. Just send us a note that you're actually moving to New Zealand. And next thing they know, they got served with, um, oh, I think it's a 12-page 12 12-page 12 service from some damn attorney uh, in Oregon. And... Uh, you know, they're suing them for five thousand dollars plus a whole bunch of stuff. You know, uh, you know, claiming fraud and all kinds of crap. And um, um, Master Moody, you ever had that experience? Um, well, I've, I haven't had uh, I haven't had them sue us in that same way. You know, usually, yeah. it, usually if they if they ask if we ask them for proof and we don't get it, then it's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was, there were a couple things I guess I would address first and foremost is um, you and I, Master Moody, were talking to somebody yesterday who got into like a protracted legal battle over what ultimately sounded to me like it would have been $1,700 to, to get it to go away, right? Um, is that a fair assessment on, on that conversation? And, and on this deal, the argument... For from my from my mind is is there's you know ASF member solutions EFC ATA's own billing company there's a bunch of other uh, billing companies out there uh, AMS we work closely with as well um, but part of the, the description and Jeff if you're on the call chip in but part of the description I heard is Jeff's staff was pretty actively involved in talking to this lady and dealing with it and. And, and my argument is, if you're, going to, if you're going to have a billing company, you know, especially if you have somebody like ASF, just let them handle stuff like this, right? Now, not, you know, once they sue you, they sue you. But it, it seemed to me that part of what happened in this deal is, like, his program director is talking to her back and forth and or receptionist or something. And, and okay. And so, so what happens sometimes is, if you let, if you're paying a billing company anyway, you know whatever percentage they're getting, you know for God's sake, just let them be the bad guy, right? And focus on uh, on support. Now, it's the problem if you're using, you know, the software system that we've been recommending, or if you're using Champions Way or so forth. Is you know the 
the biggest reason in my mind that you're saving money if you don't have anybody, you know, another human being to be the bad guy or another perception of a different company to be a bad guy. Um, but, you know, the problem with something like this is, you know, this is actually somebody who went filed to probably the attorney as the brother-in-law or something like that. And it's, uh, you know, it's a $5,000 lawsuit plus you're claiming other damages and crap. But, you know, the problem with this for anybody on the call is, you know, you go hire an attorney and you go start defending this, you're going to invest more than $5,000 just to mess with it. And, you know, the, um, the first thing I have a tendency to do with stuff like this is you have a liability insurance company, you give it to them and see if they'll defend it. And if so, then let them mess with it. We had a we had a deal. I don't know if I had mentioned it, but we had a deal went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and it was about tax broadcast, which we won, by the way. But it was handled completely by the insurance company. Um, and so, if you can hand it to the liability insurance company and they'll handle it for you, then just hand it off and don't deal with it. Um, if if they say it's not in our purview, and this is more like a contractual dispute than it is anything else, then the first thing you do is pick up a phone, talk to their attorney, and say, what do you really want? I mean, what the hell is the problem with this? Um, we had a, a very similar one of our locations, had a very similar like nuisance lawsuit recently, and it was somebody who had enrolled for a year, had paid a couple of months, and when somebody asked them to renew, they got pissed off about it. And then they were suing us for... I think it was about the same number, like five grand. And and basically, you know, the conversation was is you know, I I called ASF who was handling the billing, told them to cancel the balance of the contract, everything else, had them send them a notice that the balance of the contract was was was, was cancelled and sat and waited to see what was gonna happen and then filed a, a, a an answer with the court. Uh, and then they ended up dropping everything. But my next step would have been, you know, our counterclaim was going to be for the full balance of the contract. And and our standard contract has it built in that lessens our, uh, what is it, probably 75 or $50 an hour. So yeah. when we get into something like this, we could counterclaim for like $75 an hour times, you know, 30, 40, 50 classes that they took. And, and suddenly it becomes like leverage that you probably would never win, but it gets them to go away. It might even be a hundred and something, but, but, but don't don't miss that. No, everybody take note of that. That's a that's an incredibly useful piece of leverage that only is ever going to rear its ugly head <laughs> in, in in ugly circumstances. But but let, let me feed back what Matt just said. Inside of the membership contract, we basically have a clause in, in this is in the monarchy, you know, part of the, the uh, organization. But in that membership contract, there's a clause that says. If at some stage this this agreement is you know uh, broken or whatever, right? So if if for some reason you move away and you know the thing cancels or whatever the case is, then it reverts back to an hourly agreement at X rate. And if you look at that um, logistically, most students if they're taking a couple classes a week, mostly they'll consume about the total amount of the contract in about a year, right? So 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 let's say it's a it's a three year deal or a four year deal. If they take eight or nine months of lessons, if it reverts back to hourly, they've already kind of consumed that amount of services anyway. So again, now now you have some leverage over the situation if they if they've consumed more than that, right? So that is a very useful piece of, of technology to have in your agreements. 
Um, yeah, and, I don't know and, if I have a copy of Lean around it. Well, I, 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 I've got a, a Word file, and, and uh, uh, Jeff, in this case, was using ASF standard template. And, and I will say that the arguments that I have with ASF over the years, and, and I've had arguments with, with ESC also, but the arguments I have with ASF tend to be that they're hyper-conservative, right? So they're the ones who go and they, you know, they read the Oregon State health club regulations and 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 they refuse to do anything that's even in the gray area. And uh, you know, for instance in Colorado, you know, my argument is that the health club regulations don't apply to martial arts schools because it doesn't specifically mention it. And if you have health club regulations in your area, which you know part of the story is in that Dumont average newsletter I think is um 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 you know, I spent I spent uh, hours and hours and hours in Federal Trade Commission hearings years ago on health clubs where all the regulations evolved, and so probably nobody in the world understands it better than I do. But you know, if, if your state doesn't specifically mention martial arts, and if there hasn't been litigation on that, you can make a, a reasonable argument that it doesn't apply to you. ASF is always going to assume it applies to you, but it. But in in um, in this case, you let ASF handle it. They're always going to be hyper conservative, um, and again, that's not specific recommendation for ASF. But in this case, his billing was with ASF, his contract was made with ASF. So one of the things I heard was his staff were getting in the middle of negotiating payments and so forth. And if I'm paying a billing company, I you know I, I give my staff uh, um, absolute edict to always refer back to the billing company, and not get in the middle of it. Um, the uh, on the contract side, um, I'll email everybody out kind of our standard blank. Uh, the caveat is one is none of us on the line are practicing attorneys. Number two is uh, um, you got to do at least a little bit of research of what's legal in your area. Um, if you're using a company like ASF, they've already done the research. If you're using a company like ESC, they have no idea what the laws are in any state, so they haven't even bothered to figure it out. Um, uh, maybe a little harsh, but uh, ESC for years was using contracts that that applied only to Maryland um, as a, as the standard blank, as a, as, a, as for instance. But anyway, Master Moody, let me let me uh, uh, shift to you for a second. Uh, all three of us have have a, have had a bunch of one-on-one calls with some pretty heavy hitters the last couple of weeks. What are some of the specific issues that you've come across? Um, um, you know, let's set the contract thing aside unless anybody has any questions about it or the lawsuit thing. In Jeff's case, you know, I, I think what I'm going to tell him is see if his insurance company will handle it. They probably won't. If they if they uh, uh, won't handle it, pick up the attorney and see what they, you know, what it is that, uh, you know, they really want and see if he can settle it for a trivial amount of money. Um, and for God's sake, don't get into a big battle over, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars. It'll consume, you know, more of your time and energy than it's that it's worth ever. Well, but anyway, back, back, back to that question, Matthew. What uh, of the bigger schools? What are some significant issues you've come across uh, the last few uh, uh, conversations, last week or so, that we should address for everybody? Yeah, you know, we we haven't had. Um, we kind of solved some of them initially by when they have a. Uh, at least when the staff is dealing with these issues, our rule, I was going to add, is 
we tell the staff to say to the customer that's wanting to cancel for whatever reason is, we just simply say the phrase, we don't cancel contracts for any reason whatsoever. And that's the only thing we say. Because anything else about why they want to cancel, what they want to do, whatever, they it, it starts the argument or it starts the negotiation. And, and I, I tell my guys they're not allowed to negotiate. And anybody I've talked to, any of our clients that we've talked to, too, you know, just don't negotiate. And then, you know, if they do want to, if they do want to settle, they do it through the billing company. Make a billing company talk to them rather than rather than uh, us. And you know, a lot of a lot of the ATA schools that we work with are using a, a billing company that doesn't doesn't do as good a job as ASF even. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to direct them exactly what to do. Master Cabrera probably can answer that too. You know, um, the uh, but but we you know when we do that we limit the number of negotiations and it limits us. I, I guess I would call everybody on the call too. If if there's more negotiation or more discussion, that only puts us more at risk for some problem later. Especially oh, absolutely. Email, everything, everything else, you know, don't email back to people about what they're you know call them and even though it, even though you like to email them back, you don't have to talk to them on the phone. When you email them back, now there's documentation if there's a lawsuit later. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, my script for my staff for years was, look, I'm not allowed to deal with payment issues. We can focus on Billy's progress. And I'd like to get Billy in for any payment issues here, you know, 301-654-8677 or whatever ASF 800 number is. And, you know, and uh, ASF has like little cards they give the school if you want. You put it on the front desk and hand people, right? Um, now I've yelled at, ASF more than once. In fact, they have like a, a profanity lace tirade, which I'm embarrassed about, but <laughs> on their recording from the uh, a few years ago. But uh, an EFC, the same thing. Because if you're paying a billing company, don't ever let them tell anybody, well, we can't deal with that. You have to go talk to the school or you have to go talk to the instructor. Is the only reason you're paying them a bump is to be the bad guy. Because everything else can be automated. Um, so anytime any of the billing companies ever say you got to go back and talk to the instructor, you know they're going to they're going to get a call from me and a nasty letter, and I'm going to say so and so who's your rep told them to go back and talk to me. And for God's sake, why am I paying you? You're supposed to be a bad guy. You know you're not the good guy. I'm the good guy, right? So so um, and that's the deal. And and, and you're absolutely right, Master Mary. The more you get sucked into it now. The, the, real, the reality is in all these things is you have two, two possible problems with contracts. One is somebody paid you $27,000 cash up front, and now they want a refund. And number two is they're enrolled for a year, two years, three years, and they want to cancel the contract on the balance. And, you know, my policy for, uh, you know, for 30 years was we don't get refunds. And the contract, I'll send you the one again, you know, all that disclosure, but um, it says, you know, in bold face type, no refunds, and it says in any cancellation, may cancel the balance of remaining payments. Um, but, you know, from the standpoint of cancel the balance of remaining payments, you know, if you're using a billing company, let them handle it. If you're not, I mean, focus 100% on getting them back into class and, you know, if somebody's just not going to pay, they're not going to pay and, and uh, you know, I would drop it and walk away pretty quickly. All it takes is, you know, one thing like this that sucks up time and, and resources to uh, to make trying to be a, 
hard nosed about it, completely, uh, you know, not worth the effort. The other thing I'll say well, is. Well, I say the, the, the other factor on that too, by the way, is you know we now live in the day in, in the in the days of social media Yelp and, and so yeah. forth. And yeah, I mean, that's where well, I was going uh, next. Oh, was it? Okay, okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sure. Even even before this, my queasiness and all this stuff probably came from you, frankly. But my queasiness on on ever really kind of enforcing a contract was. You know, we we did a lot of work with elementary schools and daycare centers yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, and that's a very tight knit community. And if you have, you know, the son or brother in law of the, you know, or nephew in law of the principal of the school that you now decided you wanted to be, you know, hard nosed about and, and and hold them to the contract that they're no longer consuming, well, you've just torpedoed yourself in an entire school district, right? And, and now that's sort of multiplied by social media, Google Plus, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Google Local and things like that, Yelp. Although Yelp, by the way, is getting a bit of a, of a, of a taste of its own medicine in the last couple of months, which is very entertaining for me. But, oh, absolutely. The Better Business Bureau and Yelp both have the same business model. Is it's basically yeah. the old mafia protection racket. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you pay them and you're a member, then all the bad stuff goes away. And if you don't pay them and you're not a member, then, you know, it, it, it all shows up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And people perceive them to be like a nonprofit, you know, citizen protection organization. But really, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a sophisticated version of the mafia protection racket. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are some more aggressive, egregious versions of that. Pissedoffconsumer.com is just outright blatantly a scam, deliberately uh, so, and... That guy actually has to live. He's living like the Cayman Islands right now because they won't extradite. Uh, you know, I mean, he's literally like, you know, I think he has like, you know, a thousand lawsuits a month or something like that, or probably gets. But, but anyway, po- point being, uh, you know, for for my psychology, the contract is all about getting a solid psychological commitment up front. On the back end, the reality is it, it has to be a pretty exceptional case. I mean, I've ne- I've never done it, but it, it would have to be in my mind a pretty exceptional case for me to ever really want to take somebody to court and try to fight over a couple of grand or something like that when the negative ramifications of that are just so awful, you know, <laughs> that it just doesn't make any sense. Now, again, Master is exactly right. Your staff can never have that, uh, you know, never never kind of like understand that, right? They have, they have to be the hands-off, well, we can't deal with it, you know, talk to these guys, here's their card, you know, uh, that way you never get yourself in any stickiness. But, yeah, I mean, the reality of it is, you know, the reality is the reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, uh, uh, Master Moody, I have a long text sequencing you, Master uh, uh, Cabrera, I believe. Uh, either one of you, uh, go through this really quickly. Uh, I'm going to have difficulty talking and reading and understanding it in a text format as we go here. Well, that's Master Cabrera. What, what is, uh, is that... Um, <laughs> Any um, he wants me to talk about it. I, I think I think uh, he's got a step by step process that he's following, which I think is really really good. How he deal with cancellation? One thing, uh, Master Gabriel, you could answer kind of at the end. You're you know, for example, uh, uh, that uh, you're asking that you get a, this is directions for your staff, right? Master Gabriel. Uh, everybody is muted now. There was a little bit of background noise earlier, so you'd have to start to fix your phone uh, to yeah. unmute. Well, 
Well, maybe maybe that's not working, but I, I'm reading through what he's got here. It's a pretty good process that we could send out to everybody, too. Um, the only thing uh, is it, uh, having the, the staff, number one, uh, ask the reason they want to cancel, go through the original goals to try to make sure that we understand, you know, kind of go back to what, what I teach my staff is confirm what their original goals were before they uh, before they want to cancel. Sometimes that's, you know, if it doesn't work, if the, and then he's got a problem with commitment, then decrease the time of their membership. If the problem is money, offer them to pay in full, or um, two for one, so both two members could pay it, uh, two members could train. Um, if the offer, if the problem is vacation, they can freeze uh, the contract for two months every year. If the problem is schedule or distance, ask offer other um, locations, other. Um, other maybe schools that they could go to, if they're, if, and that's where, if you can get on there, correct me if I'm reading this wrong, um, if they're going to cancel anyway, they could transfer their membership, they could sell their membership to somebody, they can uh, just stop coming and come back later and they'll honor the time, and um, if they're going to uh, cancel anyway, refer them to their website so that the website has the billing information, uh, mm -hmm. which basically refers them to AFS. Yeah. Okay. Master yeah. Word, and I give you all the summary of that. Again, you can hit star six if you're talking. We can't hear you. That on YouTube. Um, the only the only thing he's got on there. I mean, I, I personally, this is this is really good. Um, if the staff, if you want to train the staff, I'm kind of in favor of. For my staff, I simplify it, and I just tell them, I just tell them we don't cancel memberships for any reason whatsoever, and then go back to trying to get them to train again. That so it's only right. it's really only two instructions. We don't cancel memberships for any reason whatsoever, and then we've already. You know, giving them the number for our billing company. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 uh, I, I I always softened it a little bit with the we can't deal with contract issues here at the school. Period. What we are empowered to do is focus on on student progress. If you want to discuss billing issues, here's ASS phone number. Um, and and then all the other things you said, I would absolutely agree with. And the uh, um, um, the, the other aspect is, you know, notice the in that list, you know, the number of levels of creativity. The um, you know, people who've never done paid in full contracts. A lot of times, the objection and uh, you know, some of the billing company members. Um, uh, have been told, you know, it's illegal or it's unethical or it's immoral or, you know, one thing or another, or they'll be afraid that they're, you know, constantly and never-endingly going to get requests for refunds. And I have, I won't say never, but minimal issues with refunds in 30 years. And the only time I ever had one that ended up contentious it was when a staff member tried to deal with it themselves, right? And then ended up further in a quagmire to reinforce what you're saying, Master Moody. Um, and then by the time, it, you know, by the time I knew what was going on, it was they had filed suit. Now, this is an interesting one. This was they paid in full the leadership. I forget the number it's been years ago, but it was a pretty big number. Um, and I found out about it really when it was they, they were suing us. We, we went to mediation, and my question was, what are they ultimately trying to accomplish? 
and they say, well, we want to continue training in martial arts. Uh, they just don't want to pay somebody else again for what they already paid us. So I went to the other room, picked up the phone book, called the two schools that were closest to them, and got one of them to transfer for like 500 bucks, right? Um, so by the time it was all said and done, the mistake was that it had been allowed to fester uh, to that point, and it chewed up, you know, probably eight hours of my time, which, you know, more valuable than the, the amount of money involved. Um, and again, what there's there's clearly a difference um, uh, with a multi-school operation and a single school operation. That's really what I think you're alluding to as well. When you're a single school operation, ultimately, typically, you're there and you can be the arbiter of that, and you can you can have a pretty reasonable conversation. If you have a 24-year-old program director or an instructor who's trying to be everybody's friend, and you empower them to start having the conversation at all, so many times the conversation goes down a, a, the wrong direction. And all the things that you're talking about from the standpoint of service, you know, bring them back in, review their goals, uh, uh, talk about why they wanted to do it, um, uh, provide two, three, four, whatever, uh, private, semi-private lessons to get the child re-engaged, uh, you know, put the program on hold for, you know, for uh, summer, for the vacation, tag the time on at the end, all of that stuff. They're always, they were always empowered to do. The standpoint of getting involved in contractual issue, you know, how long I'm committed for, how much it is, give me money back, cancel my contract. They were never empowered to even discuss that. And if they ever did get into that, it was hell to pay from, from their end because uh, I just didn't want them, you know, going down that, that direction. Um, well, would you, would you add anything to that, Master Moody or Master Norris? Yeah, I would. I would add is simplified because if you start out the conversation, if it's really somebody, there's there's two kinds of people that come in. One is that comes in real nice and says, "Oh, well, you know, Johnny just wants to do baseball, or Johnny just wants to do this. Or we just would like to get out of our contract." And then then we talk. Then we go in the direction of trying to get them back in. But if they get to the point where they just say, hey, "Look, we just want to cancel," then when we when we make the statement really really clear, we don't cancel memberships for any reason whatsoever. Now, now in reality, we do cancel in the three-day ride of precision and the 25 miles and that kind of stuff. But we we just don't even I don't even train the guys to say that because it stops the conversation from being a negotiation, and then then it simplifies it. Either they're going to go with the get back in or options path, which my guys can handle, or it goes to hey look, there's no reason for us to sit at the school arguing about it because we're not going to argue with you. And, and, and I, I just find I, I don't want to try to train the staff to do this stuff. Number one, they don't like it. This is where they hate their job and they want to quit. Um, number two, it, they're never going to do it right. Mm-hmm. So we just use that one catch-all. We don't have to never just for any reason whatsoever. And then, then, it's, then, then it's done. So I, I guess, yeah. you know, I, I empower them to do anything to get the student training, but I don't empower them to do anything whatsoever with the membership. And then it's right. not, there's no issue. Yeah. And in and, 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 and a multi-school environment, that's always been the way I, the way I viewed it. Uh, and any problems I ever had was, you know, some, some staff member suddenly starts trying to, you know, negotiate with them. 
and it goes down a you know a blind alley, and, and it, it becomes a problem. Or worse, or worse, they give them my cell number, and I get a call. Oh from yeah, that, that that employee's going to get. They're going to get talked to immediately. <laughs> yeah, not, not they're not going to get talked to. They're going to get whacked in the chin with a cream of stick. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big no-no. Uh, it, 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 now that that brings up another issue is a lot of employees will think that things like that go up the chain of command. Uh, and so then what they try to do is they say, if you're not careful, they end up making you the bad guy, right? Is they'll say something like, in your case, Master Moody, you know, I, 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 I can't do anything with the contract. That would just have to be Senior Master Moody, and you'd have to talk to him. Now, think about what just happened. Is you went from your program director at the front line, um, he's making himself the good guy, and he's making you the bad guy. Now, you know, again, I've had that conversation more than once with no, staff, but it's... Well, not, not to interrupt you, not to interrupt you, sir, yeah. but it also, it also says something else, that we can cancel the contract. If, you, if anybody ever says anything such as, well, you'll have to talk to your school or you'll have to talk to so-and-so about that. It implies that the contract could be canceled under certain provisions. Oh, absolutely. So so that implication is what you don't want even. It doesn't even matter if they talk to me. But now I have the, they're, they're asserting that I have the power or somebody else has the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're giving them enough wiggle room that um, um, it, it hasn't stopped the conversation. And what um, what you do want to be careful on all of this stuff, and and the irony is, the more your staff starts to go down a path of negotiating with the person, the more likely it is to implode into something like this deal uh, that we're talking about, um, and the more they just like stand their ground and refuse to interact with it is it's less likely to, to do that. Now, the again, go back to, to the point you made, Toby, is I used to be the contract of the contract of the contract and the the uh, 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 the billing company was empowered to escalate and then turn it over to outside collections and then escalate and and at the point where I realized that really we weren't dealing with a community of, of let's say, 40,000 people in a radius of the school. We were dealing really with, uh, with 15 or 20 communities of three or 400 students at an elementary school. And all I had to do was piss off Mrs. Jones, who was the uh, vice president of the PTA. And I was permanently screwed in that community of 300 people. Um, and and over the years, we got what we were better and better and better at, again, not looking at it as draw a radius around the school and the 50,000 people we're trying to target, but we're working with XYZ Christian Church, and we're working with XYZ Elementary School, and we're working with this uh, region of, of Boy Scouts. And the better and better and better we got at that, the more it was important to realize how, you know, how, how bad it can go in a hurry if you piss somebody off too much, right? And certainly, 
you know, all of these contracts are just, it's to give it a little bit of leverage to get them to come back in and talk to you for if you re-spark their interest. Uh, it's not like you're ever going to collect on them if they choose, you know, plant their feet in the mud and say they don't want to pay. Uh, so you've got to be careful about that. And, uh, again, Matt Miller, going back to your point, is, you know, with all the social media stuff and everything else, is, you know, all you have to do is, is piss off one mom who's, you know, got nothing better to do. And, you know, they're off slandering it all over the place. Uh, you know, our uh, franchisee in Fresno, uh, Sasha Williams, um, they're great at community marketing one day or another, but they've also pissed off a couple of people. And, you know, they've got negative reviews on Yelp and every place else uh, because they just kind of planted their the foot in the, the, uh, uh, the concrete and um, um, ended up uh, getting back in somebody's face rather than just handing it off to the billing company and letting them deal with it. So you've got, you do have to be very careful about that. But uh, uh, anyway, so so uh, uh, moving on to uh, to next topic. Uh, here's uh, several conversations that that I've had the last few few days. But what I what I see a lot of, and, and uh, mass media is especially true among the uh, the ATA schools that we're working with, and especially true among uh, a lot of the MMA schools that I've been working with, is we're coming across an awful lot of schools that seem like they can price their tuition at a really low level and that if they're really inexpensive, they're going to get a, a higher volume. And um, um, what what my rule of thumb is, is, you know, I, I want to see kind of that low-end threshold of you take your active student count, uh, divide it into what your monthly gross is, as a, as a simple indicator of student value. And I'd like to see that number uh, be 200 to $250 a month, and, you know, in, in my ideal world, it'd be closer to 300 a month. And so let's take the 200 number. Is, that doesn't mean that, you know, 200 down, 200 a month on a 12-month agreement, but by the time you get the down payment, some portion of paid in full down payment on the upgrade and the monthly payment on the upgrade, that the average revenue per student is $200 or more per month. And, you know, if you have a pricing structure like, you know, Master Media, we were talking about years the other day, $187 a month as a new enrollment, then let's say we have a Black Belt Club at $259 a month, and let's say we have leadership at $379 a month to, uh, to, to pick a number. Well, you aggregate all that together with a decent conversion rate to renewal, and you should pretty easily be in the 250 a month or better average revenue per student. So that translates into 200 students uh, active is at least a $50,000 a month pool. Um, you overlay that with some percentage who are doing big upgrade prepays and so forth, and it escalates it even more. Um, and I, I've talked to uh, Eric, you and I were having that conversation. Uh, you're up, but what, what are you at now? What, uh, uh, 149 a month average revenue for students, I believe is what you said. You have to hit star six to, to talk. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we've been, 
I mean, we've got members that are eight, ten years old. They're they're not at a regular price. So yeah, so we've been sure. so the average across the whole thing on the old school. Yeah, that's where we're we're falling in at. Yeah. How, how about how about if you were? Michelle, yeah. just from a, from a global perspective, uh, I think there are only two caveats to the rule. Where as as how we typically measure all these things, just for everybody's edification, we do have a lot of new folks on the call. But to make an apples to apples comparison, when we're looking at revenue for students, we typically factor out. We don't want to get too granular with how we're factoring out students in the same program, right? So like like Eric just mentioned, you know, you're all everybody. We're always going to have some people who are on the old deal who've been around forever mm-hmm. and ain't, ain't ever. You know, let me put it bluntly, ain't ever going to give you an extra dollar ever, right? Because they're so convinced that you're worth what you thought you were worth yesterday, not what you think you're worth tomorrow, right? So, so we all we all have that as a dynamic. But I would I would make sure that everybody we have a couple of folks that have pretty big after school programs and a few folks that have some cardio kickboxing and things like that. I like to factor factor those into three buckets. So you've got bucket number one, which is the one we typically focus on mostly uh, uh, in group is the traditional program. So they're coming a couple times a week. They're doing something that kind of looks like martial arts, right? It looks like Taekwondo or Kung Fu or MMA or whatever. And and it's like a, it's like what I would consider to be a tr- the traditional martial arts lessons model. Then you have the, the transported after-school care model, which tends to have much higher revenue per customer. Uh, it's a different business. It just, it just tends to have a, a more escalated revenue model. So I, t- I tend to chunk that off. And then I also chunk off anything that would have artificially low revenue. And I don't mean preschool kids. Preschool kids should be at the same rates everybody yeah. else are. But instead, like fitness, you know, like cardio kickboxing yeah. or uh, UBC well, or something like that. Uh, I tend to factor that here, out. Yeah, here, here would be where I would disagree with that. Is um, I, I, I would definitely separate something like transport after school care. Because typically you can get the same amount of revenue for that in a week as you would on a regular program that month, right? Um, and I don't know if Paul's on the call, but um, I think last I knew Paul um, and his partners in uh, Pennsylvania were averaging around 550 per student on that side of the business per month. So I separate that out. Um, what on, on the other side, though, see, this is the, I mean, this is the other conversation is Master uh, uh, Moody and I have talked to several people who are very proud of their business model, and here's what it looks like is, uh, you know, they have a Taekwondo program, they have a Krav Maga program, they have a BJJ program, they have a cardio kickboxing program, they have some other damn thing, and uh, a Zumba class or something. And by the time you wrap it all together, they've got uh, the same amount of revenue as if you had just the Taekwondo program or just the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program. Um, and and they're, you know, they're wasting time, energy, and money uh, trying to support all this different stuff, right? Um, you know, five failing businesses does not aggregate together to have one successful business, right? Um, and on the fitness thing, you know, I mean, we talk about Sean Harvey a lot, but he was doing, what, $279 a month for a cardio kickboxing program that escalated to $497 a month for a cardio kickboxing program. And, you know, uh, I mean, even... Perello, you know, he does I love kickboxing made one forty nine a month on a twelve month contract, if I understand it correctly. So, um, you know, you shouldn't be doing something with the idea, you know, local fitness center, you know, hell I pay 
I think it's $29 a month for uh, 24-hour fitness for a membership, and they have all kinds of classes, but that's not the comparable. So if you're doing a cardio program or stuff, something like that, don't think that you have to try to compete with fitness centers. You know, just price it at $149 or $169 and be good enough at marketing and get people in and good enough at sales that you convert it at that point. But, yeah, uh, I, 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 I totally agree. I, I think, I, think I, I would qualify what I said with two different time frames. Time frame A is pre-working with us. You might think that your uh, cage fit program is only worth 69 bucks a month once a week on a Saturday, right? Post, post-working with us, we can show you how to build the model so that those customers are every bit as valuable as the traditional uh, model uh, folks. Well, I, I would ask, there's two, there's two things about lowering prices. that We talked to a lot of guys recently, Dr. Oliver, as you mentioned, one is, is that I've never seen people raise prices and have the conversion rates go down. I've personally never seen that. I've only seen the conversion rates of anything stay the same, or in my experience, they've gone up, depending on how they strategically raise the prices. And, and, and what I've done in, in my school is I've raised them. Sometimes it increases the value of the higher level program and the way we present it. So one of two things are happening, either it's here, uh, because what it mostly is, I think, is their sales systems are broken in the first place. And so the only alternative that they can come up with in their mind is instead of fixing their sales system, they have to lower the price. Right. And, and it's exactly the backwards way of thinking because lowering the price is going to fix your sales system. No. Well, it's not, it's not going to fix your marketing flow. Um, and that's, that's the other thing I see is they think, well, you know, I'm only getting five enrollments now. If I cut my price in half, I'll get ten. But now what they have is the same number of intros coming in. Perhaps they have a little bit better conversion rates as they, you know, they haven't priced anybody out of the market. But, um, you know, it does, it does, being cheap doesn't get more people coming to front door. Yeah, and I, and I would almost bet for anybody on this call, if uh, if somebody raised their prices tomorrow, it wouldn't change. Unless you, there, there is a, the only exception I've seen to that, the best example I've heard recently, and I don't know if you guys have mentioned that because you went to Disney, was Disney World says they're going to keep raising their prices until people stop coming, and they actually did stop, they moved their prices back. Um, but that's because they moved above the psychological threshold of $100. And so, it, you know, when Disney World, Disney World moved over $100, and they, they started having some drop in attendance. And they pop it right back down below $100. But, you know, that, that's more of a psychological factor than it is anything, you know, in terms of price raising. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in almost all cases with martial arts, and there are exceptions, but what we've seen is as you raise the price, two things happen. One is you get a higher quality student among the same pool of people coming in. Two is they bitch less. Three, they stay longer. And, you know, I like to quote that uh, T. Aldini's book, Influence Science and Practice, but, I mean, his assertion is, absent other objective criteria, price determines perception of value. And the argument that I hear over and over and over again is there's three guys down the street, all of whom are charging less than we are. Well, okay, if they're... $20 $20 less now, and then you raise the price, and they're $40 less, and you raise the price to $60 less. 
is every increment where you're dramatically different than they are helps your case, doesn't hurt your case. And so, so what happens is it doesn't do any good to be just a little bit more expensive than the guy down the street. If you're going to be more expensive, you might as well be far enough above that, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, clear that there's a reason and the reason is you're better. Let me add something on with all the Groupon people that I've talked to recently. And I don't know if anybody on the call is, is you know, if you're not using Groupon, we've, we've done a whole bunch of different things on using Groupon. But one thing I've noticed is Groupon accentuates the scares and their sales system. So so what happens is they end up getting, and their marketing system, you know, if they weren't marketing well in the first place, then the people that they get were the people that kind of found them no matter what. And so they, they're the people that... Like the, probably like all of us on the call that would have done karate even if it was in the basement and the crappy, smelly, you know, bad environment. We would have still done it. So when you start getting more of the average population, you have to deal with it. But I, I just talked to somebody yesterday, and they had Groupon. Well, people come in and they were bitching about them. They said, well, if they don't sign up on, if they don't sign up, they're really bad clients and they're really not very good. And I said, well. But, you know, when, when a client comes in and they enroll, what do you do? And they have this nice process about explaining how to use, you know, their tracking card and how to sit on the floor and how to put their gear away and how to do their, you know, belts and how, all this other stuff. I said, well, what happens with the Groupon people that come in? Do you do the same thing? They go, well, no, if they don't want to sign up, we just throw them into class. So their process was, you know, obviously the Groupon people were complaining and bitching and whining because they didn't even know what to do once they got to the school. They didn't follow the same process. They had good customer service with these guys. And then the instructor was bitching because they said these were bad leads. Yeah, they, 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 they did enroll yet, so I'm going to be I'm going to be rude and ignore them. Uh, and then they're, uh, then, they're, then they're wondering, yeah, they're wondering why these people are hard to enroll later. Well, they're hard to enroll because they're treating them like crap. They're not treating them like their members. Treat them really yeah, good and don't be happy. But, but I, I guess I should say not just treat them good, but also make sure they know the rules of your school. Like they weren't going, they weren't bothering to tell them, don't drop your, when your kid comes in late, here's what the procedure is. When your kid comes, you know, we're, I don't know about everybody here, but we're really strict about that. We go through a policy and procedure and mm-hmm. we make sure they know everything about what's happening and before they, before they leave after the first time they come in, they know everything that's happening. With the Groupon people, yeah, we short-circuited their sales system so they didn't bother going through that process. So now, you know, both sides of it were wrong, and they weren't trained, because we believe in training the clients and the students yeah. to do exactly what they're supposed to do, and then we're all happy. Oh, exactly. And, uh, yeah, we go through, like, less than three um, uh, a notebook conferences. So we give them a, a the student notebook. It's all the stuff you're talking about. Walk them through the ID card, how it works. Walk them through the gold butt test, when that's going to be how that works. Walk them through... Uh, the, you know, again, the class schedule and how that works and what happens when they do the makeup class. And truthfully, if they're not enrolled yet, you want to put even more time and energy on being nice to them, right? And making sure they know what's going on and making sure their their hands held. Up. The last thing you want to do is just throw them in the class and 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 hope they don't come in. And and I mean, the worst case scenario that happens on something like that is if you do it right, you get, what, 60, 70% of them enrolled right away, and you get 30% of them that had a great experience with you 
that when it really is a better time in the fall rather than the spring or when uh, grandma gets out of the hospital or whatever else it might be, uh, they come in and they um, um, they come back. And, I mean, we've had people who, you know, came in and they decided it wasn't for them and we got referrals from them. And we, you know, turned out mom was the PTA president. I can't emphasize stuff like that enough. It turns out mom's the PTA president. And now all of a sudden they came into the school for four or eight weeks, didn't enroll for whatever reason, didn't have anything to do with us because we were wonderful. They couldn't believe how, how great we were. And, and all of a sudden they're lining us up for all kinds of stuff, even though they didn't enroll. So, you know, everybody that you touch needs to have just a glowing report of how wonderful you were. Well, and I, and I would say for everybody on this call, for higher-level operators, we need to make sure that's built into our process. And if, if the tendency is to either lower the price or, or give better deals or those kind of things, then I would say that's the wrong direction. We need to build it into the process. If we have students that are bitching about certain things like testing fees or whatever, we build it into the process so they know ahead of time so that they're not bitching. Build, the, build these things ahead of time into the process, and especially for some of you guys that have multiple schools and five or six schools, that's even more important. And, and so it needs to be simple but built into the process. Well, it, you know, Mitchell, I'll try to find this presentation that we did uh, a couple of years ago at one of our uh, one of our bigger live events. And here, to take a higher level view of what you're describing, is there are six fundamental reasons that people don't buy, right? There are six excuses, subconscious, psychological triggers, that if you don't trip all six of them or in, in some way touch them in these six ways, you're giving them a reason not to buy. One of the reasons, number four, is that you don't truly understand them and their unique circumstances. Okay, so if you think about something like they don't you, think you do, yeah. ex exactly. That's what they're thinking. That's what's in their head. That's the reason that they're not buying, is because they don't believe you understand them and their unique circumstances. And we've all heard it, and we all know it. And, and what that sounds like in their mind, they, they'll never articulate it this way, or at least very rarely articulate it this way. But the, what, the, what they're saying to themselves is, you know, look, Mr. Jones, I know that you say you deal with kids with ADHD all the time, but dot dot dot. Yeah, you don't my know kid. my kid. Yeah. Exactly. It, that's exactly what's in their head. And in most cases, they won't ever say that. Now, now, what Master Moody's describing, I think, from a systemic standpoint, is what we break by changing process or by putting, putting Groupon type people or anybody, really, through any less than a rigorous process up front is we, we fail to answer those six questions for them. We fail to, um, to, to take away those six reasons they won't buy. And, in fact, we handed them some reasons to, to not buy. So so I, I can't agree more, you know, to, with what you're saying. But I think the fundamental, when you drill down and take a higher level of vision of what's really happening psychologically to the customer, I always put myself in, in the position of, you know, let's say each one of us on the call today, you know, the, the schools are going great. You've got, you know, 22 schools operating, and you're now generating, let's say, $5 million net revenue every month, Right. So you're taking home $5 million a month, it's, it's in, sitting in your bank account, and it's starting to make you uncomfortable because you don't know what the fuck to do with all this money, right? Mo most of us don't live in that universe every every day. So we need an expert to tell us what to do with this extra $5 million a month we're doing, what, what we're getting, or you pick the number, 500000 10000 whatever that number is for you that seems like a lot of money, right? And if you took that money 
and you, you know, you took your checkbook, and now you've got all this cash that you've never had before, and you really like the cash, right? You like having it, but you know you really should do something with it, you know? Uh, and you go to a financial advisor, and this guy you think is like the best financial advisor. Don't You don't know why you think that. Maybe he has a nice billboard, or you saw a fancy commercial on television, or whatever the case is. And you went into his office, and instead of him pulling you into the office, sitting down with you one-on-one, analyzing your personal circumstances, finding out exactly what your risk tolerance is, uh, what, what kind of companies you might like to invest in, what exactly your retirement objectives are, where this money's coming from, and how reliable those flows are, right? So instead of doing all that, instead of really drilling into you and your unique, your unique circumstances, instead, he just threw you in with all of his other clients and put you all into the same investment program. You see, you just screwed up the entire psychological process, right? Yeah. So now maybe it's true that he's going to put you into the same investment type portfolio as his other clients. Maybe that's right, but yeah, you can't feel that want to way. Present it to you that way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can't feel that way while you're sitting in the chair ready to stroke the check that, oh, by the way, he's just going to throw me in with all the rest of his clients and treat me all the same. You have to fully understand and believe that he understands you and your unique services. So anyway, I'll see if I can find that presentation laying around here somewhere. I remember it was really good. Yeah. We really had a lot of engagement with it. Uh, and I'll send it around to everybody. But you, you've got to make sure that in that process you're tripping all six triggers. And if you're missing some, this is why you just don't know why they don't enroll. You know, they, they well, we, go, we have to go talk it over, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had started this conversation with uh, with Eric. And um, um, Eric, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. In 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 your case right now, what are you uh, what are you charging a new person coming in the front door? So the uh, so a new person starts at one forty seven. That's for the adult program. Uh, new start right. A new person comes in at one forty seven, uh, and then they move into the one ninety seven program. Okay, okay, and. Um, what what's the difference between 147 and 197? The uh, the 197 is that they they move into higher level of higher level of training. Well, in other words, they're doing more of uh, the sparring and that kind of stuff. So it's just a uh, you know this that made it they're they're safe to train. They get to train with the others at a, at a higher level. They get to they get to drive the car faster. Mm-hmm. And you know, from your perspective, if let's say we made the new enrollment 197 and made the the next level 297, um, and and again, I'd like to get you on the normal structure, right? So you have the, the, the initial enrollment, then you have Black Belt Club, and then you have leadership, and pretty much everybody's jumping straight into leadership, right? Um, but but my rule of thumb has been is from whatever they enroll initially, you can have an upgrade that doubles it. So from 147, that'd be the 297, and then you can have an upgrade that is a fallback that's about 50% on. So from 147, that'd be say um, um, what does that come out to be 227, right? So just using that rule of thumb. You can go from 147 to 297, and a fallback to um, um, I think I said 247, right? Uh, or 227. But 
from your perspective, if you just went from it's 147 to 197 a month, what's the problem? Well, uh, so with one of the one of our newer schools, we yeah, that's what we've been doing. We 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 went to 197 straight. Okay. Um, okay. And we actually did it at two locations. And there there uh, demographics. Uh, well, I mean, mm-hmm. you can, the, the staff have all trained together. They all work together originally, and then they're in their different locations. So mm-hmm. the, I'd expect there to be fairly consistent across the way they handle people. Um, right. So for the one, the higher demographic locations wasn't any problem. Uh, okay. The other demographics, it, 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 they threw up totally different numbers doing the probably a little better job because uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're a little more seasoned. So uh, we, you know, we noticed the demographic issue there. Well, they couldn't do it. We couldn't, we just couldn't pull the same uh, numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. The the same, you know, the same number of people that participated. So a little, a little different there, but we, you know, in the one demographic, we did, we didn't notice any difference, and the other right. one we did. Okay. And how would you compare and contrast what the, what the demographic difference is in those two locations? Uh, one uh, average house uh, price within a uh, five mile radius is probably uh, two fifty to a million. The other, uh, the average house price is sixty thousand to uh, to uh, one fifty. Okay, okay. Uh, do you know the how that uh, translates to median income? Yeah, the you know one. I have to look at them for that. It's been several years. Try looking at uh, family household income of eighty nine. I think probably average in the one. The other one's probably around. Forty-seven to fifty-two. Okay. Okay. Double double income. And again, one 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 of my examples is um, uh, like if you take our location, Fresno. I mean, it's it's got lower income demographics than the lower the lower school that you're talking about. Um, and and they've been following the. I think it's been a 197 a month, 347 for leadership, 247 for a master bug. Now, what happens in their case is an awful lot of their marketing efforts is, is you know, out at fairs, events, and so forth. And they do have a tendency to push, like, an awful lot of broke people through the doors, right? So where 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 they have a problem is... Not so much in, uh, um, um, well, I was going to say, it's where, where, where their problem is is not people saying, it's, you know, the, the price is too high. They have people who, you know, literally, you know, can't afford bus, bus tokens and to, uh, to do it at the same time. But still, it's been a very productive uh, strategy for them, you know what I mean? So, um, the, uh, is there, between the two locations, is there a uh, uh, an age difference? In, in is one of them the ones where you're dealing with uh, like early twenties ish, and the other is more of the, the thirty year year olds, or is it just purely uh, blue collar versus white collar neighborhoods? Uh, now they're probably demographically, family wise, to. Uh, 
single male. It's pretty close. Yeah, the okay. Male, the one higher one's probably a little, maybe 15% more. But I, I think we're pretty. they're pretty close. Okay. Okay. So it's more or less the same age. It's more or less the um, everything else. It's just more attorneys, doctors, you know, executives in one area and more blue collar in the other area. Yeah, and then, you know, other location, we don't have any price pressure there. We get time pressure, so. Just right. Because, if it's that well, it's not. At, at, at that location, um, what, what, you're, you're doing 197 in the door, and then, and then what's the next level up from there? Well, yeah, so that's a new program. We don't, we don't even have another level in there yet. And we, okay. And we're, you know, for there, we've been, uh, it's an interesting deal that what I didn't, that maybe prior to some coaching around it. So we get a lot of time pressure. And then mm-hmm. they compare, they do still compare time and money together. Well, if I can only get over here, you know, this many times, it's really, I'm not, I don't want to spend my money on it. But so the value proposition relative, I think it's still a time. Having the money, I don't think it's relevant. I still think it's a time issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what what that addresses is what it is you you need to be selling, right? See if if my upgrade is you get to go from twice a week to you get to come to. Naturally, uh, I think you and I were talking to somebody who was doing it this way. It's it, it, doesn't ring a bell right now. I'm trying to well, track it back down. But but if it goes to now you can come to the sparring classes and you can come to the weapons classes and you can come to the fitness classes, well, you know, telling me I can go from coming down twice a week to come down. Oh, I, it was Nick Massey. Nick may be on the call. But we were having the same conversation. Is this high-level membership is about all the different classes they can come to in addition to what they were already enrolled for. And, and for the vast majority of your students, that's not only not a benefit, it's a barrier. Right, and so that's why I've always liked it. You know, the upgrade into leadership is instead of coming twice a week for an hour, you come that twice a week for an hour and fifteen minutes, and plus there's all this other stuff. And optionally, if you want to, you can do this, this, and this, this. But that's not really what the deal's about, right? Is really what it's about is um, it's a it's a higher level of, of achievement on the two days a week you're coming to already. See, I, I, I liken it to, you know, if I could, I'd rather just sure, go ahead. One, yeah, if I, if I could work out one day a week and get in shape, I'd rather work out one day a week. Unfortunately, it takes three or four days a week to actually get in shape. But, but you know, for people selling, um, if somebody could sell... Well, I'll, 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 let, let, me, let me echo that even more strongly. Is if you could show me that instead of having to be there three days a week, I could do it one day a week. And so instead of driving down and spending an hour having driven, you know, 20, 30 minutes each way three times a week, I could do it in one day a week. That would be worth triple to me. I, I pay more for less. I think more for less time. I'm paying exactly. Results, and I would pay more exactly. if I don't have to work as hard to get those results. So everything exactly. more time thing is backwards. Yeah. Yes, yes, that, 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 I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and again, I mean, you're going to have the five or ten percent raving fanatics, um, 
most of us probably when we, we were younger were, you know, I mean, uh, for quite a while I was training like three or four hours a day, uh, you know, six, seven days a week. But, you know, that's a very tiny percent of what any of us are ever going to enroll. And especially as we get into the better demographics, you know, you got doctors and attorneys and executives and you got soccer moms going to all different places and, you know, and their biggest objection is I don't want to drive down there more often or, or uh, you know, invest more time because they don't have it. But Eric, go back. What, what, where do you see, especially now with all this new leadership curriculum that we that that, uh, that we launched at the beginning of the year? I mean, it's just so easy to overlay and add that material. What what do you see as a barrier to really getting to that level with uh, with your school? I mean, you know, I, I still believe it's the it's the uh, one of the secrets of adding another million a year uh, overnight. The, uh, oh, for the leadership, yeah, we've been um, really honing down getting all four locations. I mean, our, our efforts right now have been, the last six, eight, seven months, have been honing down our four locations and uh, having the synchrony between, among them. Um, you know, as, you get, as we were going, we were going kind of fast, and so, you, you know, people are operating differently. So we want to, uh, right now... I mean, the last time we all got together, we're now clicking, clicking on the same deal. So that, that that's been our effort. Um, you know, probably we're really, really uh, almost a target around that. To uh, so when we're implementing things, we get them implemented across the board. Uh, and I mean, I could talk about implementing things across the board, but that didn't mean everyone was enrolled and was going to be on board. So that's that's been our effort. Sure, sure. I mean. It, you know, you're now in the situation where your primary job is getting the staff police system in place and then getting them trained so it's a very consistent, uh, reliable system that they're, they're implementing. Uh, the newest location, how many how many students is it at now? Uh, I think we're around 67 or 68 this morning. That's the, yeah. that's the, it's the one in the hell up where? Uh, oh, yeah. And it's in the health club. Uh, it's the aberration one. That we're in the middle of a health club, um, four days a week. Uh, so it's kind of torn around with that market. Yeah, the, 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 the one that was open just before that. You're coming over here at what, at 228 or something like that? No, uh, we're at 187 on that one. And, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's been one year. What kind, what kind of growth is it doing? Uh, 28, I think, 29, somewhere in there. The target for this month is 30, 29, 30, something like that. So it's, it's, it's doing about 30 with about 190 active. And so if we could increment that up where it was doing 40 at, at, at that number, um, you know, that, that, that'd be, that'd be closer to kind of foundational. And of course, you know, that's just an extra 10,000 in profit, um, makes a big difference. From your experience now, if somebody's looking at adding a program that's an adjunct to, and you know this, this last one is, is part of a, a very high-end health club, but it's a separate facility with you know attached to that. What, what's your analysis of that? It's been kind of a um, a rocky road so far. 
Yeah, if he, I mean, it has, I mean, it violates the principles of uh, creating environment for martial arts. So, I mean, that's the, I mean, we, we want school environment, we want martial arts environment. So, uh, you know, that's the biggest obstacle. You, you can't control the environment, the same. Uh, that's probably the drawback to it, and just its location gives us uh, some marketing issues. The, I mean, the advantage to it is it's a great place that, uh, you know, we're trying out stuff and cutting our teeth on some new new things, and even that demographic. So that's the advantage to it. Yeah, yeah. And and part of the logic was, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, was it's a very high-end club, high-end demographic, a lot of executive office space and so forth around it. Is that right? Yeah, so it's a business center. So there, there are about 15,000 people in the high-rises right there. So we that was, you know, we were looking at, you know, what is that market? How does, you know, how do they how do they react to, you know, this product? And how do, how do we interact with that? And is that a, is that a viable market for us? Yeah. And in your case, if I you know, if I was running kids and families, then that particular market is maybe problematic because they may work there and they may commute twenty, thirty minutes home and so the executive isn't gonna commute twenty and thirty minutes, he'll get his kids and bring them back. Um uh, but on the other hand with the more of the uh, adult clientele in, the, in this one um, it, it's probably pretty, uh, pretty uh, potentially pretty productive, right? So that was at least the logic, you know. Let's see how it un- unfolds. Yeah. So the, I mean, that, and that's what's proved to be true. The, uh, and then it's just a matter of, you know, if you're walking in the hallways over there, you know, the level of intensity and the, the those uh, geologists and stuff's pretty heavy. So. You know that that's just the time thing we're we're that we're trying to solve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're all going to uh, to have a wonderful opportunity to come and and uh, and see your school in uh, uh, May here. And um, I've got um, um, messages in and and uh, working with uh, see if we can do something with Jim McIndale, which is Gallery Furniture, and uh, John McCormick, which is Visible Changes. But uh, your main location, what 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 are the numbers that of it look like right now? How many how many adult men doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu do you have? So we're still uh, let's see, adult to kids, uh probably running uh five to about five to one adults for, for the per child. Four to one. Yeah, probably about a four Four point five to one ratio adult to kids. Yeah. Uh, how many kids do you have now? So there's uh, eighty seven active kids. Okay. And then how many uh, uh, adult men do you have doing? Uh, how many do you have in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu program? Uh, well, the programs aren't broke out by by style anymore, so we can break okay. them. So we're we're not doing the style thing anymore. Um, okay. But so you're running about 500 active then. Yeah, a little over five. So we've been running. You know, we were up at around six. But you know, one of the things we had to do is clean up our data. I mean, uh, you know, what 
what counts, and people with their own half scholarship and that stuff. So we're running between around five and a quarter, probably at five fifty somewhere in there, depending on where we are. We've been kind of staying around there right now. Okay, okay, and 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 still running close to a five to one ratio adults to kids. And, yeah, and in your case, the kids' curriculum is predominantly Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Is that right? Yeah. And so, and and what's your male to female ratio uh, on the kids' side? On the kids' side, it's uh, probably uh, three to one, maybe uh, three male to every girl. Maybe uh, I mean maybe about uh, probably closer to a third female, two thirds male. And the the big focus on on that one is to get much better at the community outreach, grassroots marketing, and so forth. And of course, if uh, you know if we can plug in the group on stuff and some of that stuff and get it working well for you in the kids market, that would be a plus too. Yeah, that's so. Anna's on the call today. Yeah, that's why because I was wanting to get um, she's taking on being accountable for it and just. Uh, you know, looking at getting in the school systems and building programs with them, the group on, you know, trying to find some high, uh, high producing, uh, marketing efforts and to get the message out. You bet. You bet. And, um, um, we did that long call, well, it was for you and for, uh, for, for, uh, Jeff staff. Um, um, did, did you guys get the, uh, the recording of that one? I have not. Um, the I, I think High was looking into that, so I don't know where he's at on this. Yeah, I think we have his email as the primary. I I, I sent that out uh, two or three weeks ago. Okay, when we did that, so so that was that would certainly be a, a good starting point. Um, um, let Let's shift and open it up to everybody. Uh, Star Six. Any specific challenges or questions you're having? We talked about pricing. We've talked about dealing with contracts and dealing with billing issues and so forth. Um, you know, I'm a, um, a, a big fan of, of everybody utilizing all this new material that uh, um, Mallory, we have, you know, thousands of hours, so you won't be spearheaded in um, um, using. But I think it's, I, I think it's a, you know, extremely valuable um, um, uh, uh, done for you material. But uh, um, anybody have any any specific questions that we that we need to address uh, the next ten or fifteen minutes before we run out of time? Well, let me, well, let me uh, um, if you do, just pop in. But Master uh, uh, Miller, any any specific things that you've come across that were uh, specific needs um, uh, or specific red flags that that you've seen recently? Last few few weeks of calls. No, yeah, I, I think we pretty much shift through everything. I, I've got uh, a lot of coaching calls next week as well, so I'm sure I'll come across some some new items there. But um, we had we had tied up most of the loose ends uh, by the end of last month, so I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I guess the one thing I would throw out there, and it's not so much an issue for everybody in the call, but uh, uh, several of the smaller schools that I've talked to recently, and of course I guess we don't talk to them very small, but um, the biggest barrier for a lot of those guys is just their own belief system and what's capable of their business. And the the most important 
thing to do, and the, the more educated you get on your own business, the, the more it is, the more important it is to every day start with a fresh piece of paper and throw out your expectations of what's doable. And you know, I always kind of started with the uh, you know my 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 current way of thinking is what do I need to do to add a zero? In other words, if it's a million, what would I have to do to be at ten million? If it's at ten million, what would I have to be to be at a hundred million? But you know, for years, to me, it was start every day with a clean sheet of paper and not have an expectation of what does it take for me to add five percent this month or add twenty new students. But from a clean sheet of paper, um, you know, what would I have to do to put 30 new students in and uh, across six locations this month? What would I have to do to have 100 per location this month? Uh, or how would I, if I was going to raise the, the tuition 25%, how would I do that and do it effectively? Or, you know, how could we have a million dollar extra this quarter? And you know, it, it, although sometimes it's best laid plans that don't work, is, I mean, that level of thinking was responsible for an awful lot of times, you know, doing a million in six weeks or uh, pumping the, the price up 50% and having the active account go up 20%. And it is what I see a lot of times is the more experience you have, a lot of times, the more false beliefs you have about what your capacity is, uh, capacity from a standpoint of volume, capacity from a standpoint of uh, being able to uh, attract better staff, capacity from the standpoint of being able to uh, aggressively and, and effectively ramp up the numbers. And the I guess the other thing I see with even some of the bigger operators is you know, when you've come out of, like, fighting a recession, um, what I always find is that when things get good again is the biggest barrier to, you know, running huge numbers again is getting out of the expectation that you're fighting a headwind, if that makes sense. And so um, I, I think it's true of you see, Master Moody and Master Norway, but, you know, we, we've talked to a fair number of people who, you know, although they're doing pretty good numbers, feel like they just came out of a, you know, a 12-round fight, and now that, you know, the economy is, I mean, it's not roaring, but it's, you know, pretty good again, is they're still kind of in the I'm worn out and beat up mode, rather than hitting a, hitting all eight cylinders, and it's, it's so important to take a deep breath, take a couple of days off, get the blank legal pad, but kind of radically and massively expand your, your thinking, right? Um, you know, again, in Eric, in your case, I, I, it's pretty straightforward how to, how, to add, how to add a million gross. And that million gross would add, you know, um, a quarter million to your staff payroll by paying all the people you have better. I think they'd be happy about that. Um, and then you'd have another 750000 to the bottom line. And frankly, if you took a quarter million of that and put it into TV and stuff, you know, all of a sudden the sky's the limit. And the more you can think in more expansive ways like that about your, uh, about your business, the more you have the opportunity to make pretty dramatic leaps rather than just incremental growth. 
Absolutely. What, what, would, what would you add to, to that uh, uh, short diatribe? Well, I think I'd add, you know, reiterate that this what, you know, one of the purposes of us all talking and especially getting together if we um, are off-site things is to make sure that we, you know, are trying to reach for bigger goals than what we're used to. Because what, what I think everybody that we talk to, um, you know, that we consistently talk to, you know, are, are used to what they're doing. And um, I think there's a huge change in, in seeing what other people are doing and then trying to trying to meet different goals. You know, for example, what the pricing that we were talking about, you guys on the call are probably all charging quite a, a lot more than some of these people that we're talking to. But some people are charging still like 75 bucks a month, which is, which is ludicrous. And, and some areas, but they, everybody seems to have arguments that that's the right price, or they have arguments that that's the right way to do things, and um, that's why we have to work together to try to get out of that mindset. And so the blank sheet yeah. of paper is a good concept. How, how, we want to start, kind of begin with the end in mind, and then not be stuck in the old mindset that we have. Otherwise, we're not, you know, there's no way we're going to change, have any difference or change. Well, and it, it's, it's in my case, you know, I'll, I'll take it, you know, Born with a silver spoon in my mouth or up my ass, or however you want to think about it. But, you know, back, back at the Junior Institute 35 years ago, I mean, we talked to people who are charging less today than we were charging there 35 years ago. And, um, um, you know, we certainly have talked to a lot of people who are charging less than I was charging when I opened my school a little over 30 years ago. And, the, 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 and it seems like, and again, this is not the issue with anybody on this call, but it seems like the lower somebody's growth is, the more they want to argue that their way of doing it is right. And, um, you know, and I, 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 I joke behind the scenes of, of, um, of and mostly preaching the choir here, but it is amazing how some people will, like, pay you to help them grow and then argue for their own limitations. Um, and and we all have to constantly guard about uh, against that. And uh, um, um, you know the problem with success. Uh, and and by the way, you know one of the one of the great books, Innovator's Dilemma, um, um, which uh, Steve Jobs among others, you know, was a big fan of. But it's same thing in there is once you get entrenched in uh, a certain way of doing things. Is it's it's very difficult to uh, uh, to kill off that old way and do a way that, that's going to double your results, and and it's uh, you know it's common across um, all different kinds of companies. But you've got to constantly guard against it. You know you've got to do the empty your cup every day and take a look and say what is it we're doing that uh, you know I may be very proud of, but really is limiting us rather rather than helping us grow. Pastor Milroy, anything to uh, to add to that before we uh, wrap up? And again, any, anybody has any contribution or questions? Just hit star six and jump in at any time. I do have a question now. Great, Carol. Thanks. Um, where is, what what hotel is it when we're in Houston? Um, Eric, let me I'll, just talk to you. I'll tell you on Saturday, Carol. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, actually, actually yeah. Monday. I won't be around on the weekend, but Monday. The, 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 the I, I don't even want to tell you <laughs> until I have ink on, until I have ink on paper. But we'll be, we'll basically be out by the Galleria. Uh, so you'll fly into Houston, George Washington, and then you'll want to drive out to, uh, the Galleria. It's about, you know, 
don't know, 25 minutes away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but Eric, that's, that's the right vicinity, right? Because we want to be easy, easy striking distance from your main school or your first school. Um, and then we also want to be um, uh, uh, in vicinity to maybe do some of these other uh, uh, special visits as well, depending on what we line up for done. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, gallery area is a great, great area, a great center. Uh, yeah, city center is also uh, a good location. But that's uh, where, where we're at, um, uh, and we're going to follow up tomorrow morning on some of these details. But that's a pretty good central point, uh, as we were talking about, from the standpoint of, you know, like visible changes, we go to visible changes, their highest volume location is in the gallery. Um, um, last I knew, anyway. Um, and then uh, uh, we're pretty close to your location as well, right? Yeah, so that's about 15 minutes from our location. Then on traffic, yeah, it'd be 45 traffic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, try, we'll, we'll try to stay away from rush hour. Uh, for our inner circle meeting on that Friday, uh, you have the capacity there with a conference room and so forth for us to do that on, on Friday, is that right? And we want to be at the hotel on Saturday, Sunday, or are we better off to be at the hotel? And then... That depends on the number. So we we hold about twelve comfortably, uh, relatively comfortably in the conference center or in our in our conference room. So we're welcome. I mean, everybody's welcome to do that on that Friday if you guys want. Depends uh, on how many how many people are coming. Yeah, usually Friday is a smaller day. Uh, Saturday is the biggest day. Uh, so we'd want to be at the hotel facilities on Saturday. Plus, we're going to be meeting mostly you know, during Saturday prime time for you. So we would want to get in the get in the way. Perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, um, uh, Eric, we'll follow up with you and Hyde tomorrow. Um, if, you, if you don't find that uh, that teleconference MP3, let me know, and I'll resend it to you. everybody else. I, uh, I sent it to everybody. If you didn't get it, let me know what that was. That was the call where we did an hour or 90 minutes or so on community outreach, specifically elementary school type of, uh, of marketing for kids programs. And uh, we spent quite a bit of time. Carol, I know you were on that call. Was that was that was that call helpful for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So again, if you didn't get that, just let us know. We'll we'll resend it out. And and uh, Master Milroy always puts these up on the member website. But I've kind of gotten the habit last couple of times of, of emailing out the MP3 link as well for immediacy uh, for some of that stuff. They so have immediate access as well. Oh, um, just just you know, if people want to look up. Um Cialdini and the Six Principles, it's right online. You can find it all over the place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's um, uh, Anybody who doesn't have it, there's a Harvard Business Review article that I sent out that's a nice little uh, conversation piece for staff training. And he just has a, a third book coming out. But the, uh, the one that I like the best is uh, the first one, which is uh, called Influence, Science, and Practice. And the uh, the other book we talked about was uh, Getting the Yes. Um, from a staff training perspective, the Influence Science and Practice book is a bit academic and tends to go a bit over their heads. So you're better off with the uh, uh, the Harvard Business Review summary, and then you can you know kind of expand from there. Uh, the Getting the Yes book is a good one for all of your staff, and it's more about negotiation directly than sales, but it gives them a nice. Uh, Framework to work from. That's from the Harvard Negotiation Project. It's one of the more respected books on that subject. 
which, by the, by the way, uh, Fisher and Uri were the authors on Getting Yes, and the audio is pretty good. The audio book is pretty good because they do walk through a few like pieces of phraseology where you can get some tonality and some stuff like that. Um, oh, okay. It's not as good as like Tommy Hopkins, like as far as that goes, like tonality and all that sort of stuff. But the audio of Getting the S is not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's more of a negotiation book than it is a sales book. Yeah. And and so it, it's good for interactions within the school. Not not as good for you know step one, step two, step three. You know, pay this much now, pay this much a month, and. Uh, I don't recall if I've ever done the audios of that, uh, Master Miller. I know, I know certainly the, uh, the sales audios of Tom Hopkins. Uh, the Tom Hopkins, the book, uh, is available in the book. It's available as audio, uh, CDs, MP3 downloads, and as, uh, DVDs. And it's the video that I used for years as kind of all the generic sales training that we did was, was included that constantly, repetitiously, never endingly. And, it's not that expensive anymore. When I was doing it the first time, I think I paid nine thousand dollars for the VHS tapes, and now it's less than two thousand. And the uh, uh, the CDs are less than two hundred. And of course, they all tie directly to the book. So uh, that's another recommendation as well. Well, thank you, Master Moody and uh, Master Milroy, and thank you, Eric, for your uh, contributions and uh, um, Carol and. Uh, Matt Cabrera and everybody else. So thanks, everybody, and talk to you soon. Okay, okay. everybody get laced up for Houston. <laughs> there you go. Right. Speak to everybody soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks,